Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi guys, welcome to the show. This is Fantasy MLB Today, which is brought to you by Sports Ethos. I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. And you can also go ahead and follow our show page, which is Ethos Fantasy BB. We'll be posting out this show from there, as well as other fantasy-related content throughout the season. And before we get started, uh, if you guys agree with my takes or disagree with them, or just want to have a discussion about baseball, fantasy baseball, whatever then you can go ahead and hit me on Twitter. You can tweet at me or you can DM me. Either way, I will get back to you and we can discuss whatever the whatever the topic is, whether it be uh, you disagree with where I'm drafting a player or you agree and you want to talk about it or whatever. Any, any sports-related, specifically baseball-related DMs uh, will be appreciated and will be answered. I'd like to interact with people as much as I can as I get this podcast going and uh, try and build up a good fantasy baseball community around the Sports Ethos name. So today we're going to be talking about first basemen. Uh, There's probably about 15 or so first basemen we're going to get to today, and we're going to touch on their value from last year, uh, where they're going in drafts this year, what I expect from them going forward. And we're going to start at the top, as we have been. We're going to go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, as our first name we're going to discuss. And he had an all-time season last year for a 22-year-old. And it is, it's one of the better seasons you're going to see across the board uh, production-wise with 123 runs driven in, 48 home runs, 111 RBIs. He batted 311, and he stole four bases just for fun, just to give you a little bit of help in that category. Uh, he's going off the board as the third overall pick this year. And yeah, he is a very solid top half of the first round, top five or so picks uh, kind of player. He will have similar production, you have to assume, to last year. Now, last year was the first time he's ever done this. Uh, we'd seen him as a prospect for the couple of years prior, uh, including in the lockout, or excuse me, in the uh, COVID-shortened season the year before last. So he never really had that full uh, season his rookie year, he had a little more than half a season and then the pandemic. So last year was his first time getting in a full 162. I think he missed only one game as well. And he was he was fantastic. He he performed in every, in every category fantasy-wise. He was the number one overall ranked fantasy player in terms of total value. And he was fifth on an average basis. But he was the number one total value <clears throat> player throughout the season. And he was a massive discount last year. He was not going anywhere near those first couple rounds. I think he was going uh, around pick 60-ish last year. And even that, people were jumping up a little bit, assuming that he was going to have the year that he did. And he did have a fantastic year. He, 
arguably should have been the American League MVP. I mean, I'm going to be, like I mentioned a couple shows before, I'll always have that touch of Toronto bias. So I would have given Vladdy the MVP most likely just because of the fact that I watched him play every single game just about. Now, not, not to take anything away from Otani, he was fantastic. But Vladdy had across-the-board crazy production that you didn't have from any other first baseman last year in terms of the consistency everywhere. Now, you had flashes of it. Um, from players like Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman and uh, even Max Muncie, but you didn't have that <clears throat> consistent kind of production across every category. Now, Steele's not so much production, but he gives you a couple. It's better than a zero, right? He gave you four last year, and he did show a willingness to be aggressive on the base paths. So, you know, you can expect a couple of bases stolen from him. It's not going to be anything crazy, and the Blue Jays don't want to have him get hurt stealing bases. That would be a nightmare for them. But you can count on him for a couple of steals, most likely, because he does have that aggressiveness in him. He is a totally safe first half of the first round player to draft. No problem whatsoever. Um, let's move on to Freddie Freeman, who is the next first baseman going off the board at pick 13. And as of a few days ago, uh, he was going pick 14, 15. So slight bump up, I guess, signing with the Dodgers. He's starting to move up a touch in drafts. No worries with drafting Freddie Freeman. He's going to be on the best lineup in baseball. And I misspoke slightly about uh, his stolen bases before. He did steal eight bases last year, so there is the potential that he could have a couple of steals. Now, I don't expect him to have a lot of steals, but you, you can count on him for probably a couple. And I, I said uh, on a show earlier this week that you can't really expect any steals out of Freddie, but that's not entirely true. So my apologies. He will give you a few. Uh, he had 120 runs, 31 homers, 83 RBIs, and he batted 300. Total total value there across the board. And now he's improved his team. So you have to expect that he's going to be probably in that same 30-ish home run range. That's probably not going to change too much. But the RBIs should go from the 83 range to about 100. So um, using a pick early in the second round on Freddie seems pretty pretty solid use of draft capital to me. Um, just outside of that first round. Let's move on to Paul Goldschmidt. He is going as the 46th ranked um, first baseman. And now I kind of flip-flopped um, based on ADP this year. I've skipped over somebody to go to Goldschmidt because Goldschmidt was slightly better last year. I'm, I'm pretty much going in the order of how successful the player was last year. And working my way down from that. And Goldschmidt was the third best uh, first baseman in terms of fantasy value last year. Batted 294 with 31 homers and 99 RBIs. He stole 12 bases, which is something that he has done in his career. He's been a decent base stealer. So we could probably expect that he's going to steal um, not like he used to with the Diamondbacks in the 20-25 range. But we could probably expect about 10 stolen bases. The same 30 home run, 100 RBIs, and 300 batting averages is reasonable. You have to kind of expect that. He's been uh, he's been doing this for quite a while now, Paul Goldschmidt. So I pick 46, going just at the end of the third, or excuse me, the fourth round there. Yeah, I don't have a problem with taking him in that range. That seems about where he's probably going to end up. And he was 19th last year on a total basis-wise and 42nd uh, average. So picking him in at 46 seems fair to me. That seems... That seems fairly reasonable. He's still on a, a good Cardinals team that should produce. So I'm I'm comfortable taking him in the 46 range. The next player is Matt Olson, 
who has just recently found a new home in Atlanta where he will, based on the contract, he decided it looks like unless he's traded, he'll finish his career out there. 101 runs, 39 homers, 111 RBIs, 270 batting average. He was fantastic. Now he's going off the board to pick 28. And that's a little bit high. Now, even just comparing him directly with Paul Goldschmidt, who's going off the board about 20 picks later, I'm going to be much more inclined to take Goldschmidt, partially because of the steals, partially because you save, uh, on average, 18 draft picks in between there. So you'll get another player in between, possibly two, depending on where you are in your draft order, that you can draft Goldschmidt and then two other guys. Uh for where you would have Matt Olson's value. And they're going to give you probably similar production. So I'm not jumping crazy high to draft Olson. Uh, Guerrero, Freeman, Goldschmidt, yes, at their ADPs, I'm, I'm feeling fairly confident. Matt Olson, I'm not so much. Um, let's move on to Pete Alonzo, who last year, his numbers ended up looking good, even though he wasn't really talked about last year. Like he wasn't considered to be a major fantasy asset last year, really. The low batting average. Um, he did steal three bases. It's okay for a first baseman. 37 homers, uh, 94 driven in. And that lineup got a lot better this offseason. So I picked 47 in that same vein as Goldschmidt. I like, I like Pete Alonso there. I think that's a good draft pick. The run should go up, and he's probably going to get over 100 RBIs. And he does have that 50 home run potential. So I, I do like Pete Alonso in that fourth round range, end of the fourth round kind of range. Uh, let's move on. Jose Abreu, who you know who he is. He's going to be a huge RBI guy. Now, historically, batting average has been better than what he had last year at 261. But I think we can probably say he's going to give you exactly what he gave you last year. Just about. Maybe that average comes up a little bit. But he's going to be a top RBI guy in the league, 30-ish homers, and around 90 runs. So pick 64, again, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of first basemen that I'm liking at their current average draft pick, which was not the case yesterday with catchers. And it's not the case with a lot of positions, but looking down the board at first base, there's a lot of players that I am liking. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about is Austin Riley who does have uh, positional eligibility at third and at first. Now, he's going off the board at pick 45, and I don't have as much faith in him as the other guys, despite his season last year being fantastic. 33 homers, 107 driven in, and a 303 batting average. Now, it's not even really fair to talk about him with the first baseman because he's not really a first baseman, but we'll do it anyway. And then I'll just leave him out of the third base, uh, third base segment. He hasn't really produced at the same level as guys like uh, Paul Goldschmidt has going back several years, Jose Abreu, uh, and even Pete Alonso, who his ceiling was a bit higher fantasy-wise than Riley. As great as Riley was last year, he was the 30th ranked player. I don't really expect that to happen again. Uh, I'm just not really sure about Atlanta. Like I know they were a great team last year, and they won the World Series. But I don't have as much confidence as maybe some people do, and I don't and I think Austin Riley was a big reason for some of their success last year, for a lot of their success last year. And I don't think he's going to have a repeat of what he did last year. I just don't think it's really sustainable. There's very few people who are 30, 100, and 300 guys. So that's 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 300 batting average. It's a very rare combination to have. 
Uh, and I don't know that he'll be able to do that going forward. So I'm, I pick 45. There's a lot of safer options around the board. Uh, Goldschmidt going one pick later. I'd feel much safer with Goldschmidt, just knowing um, more of an established track record there. Riley will probably be fine, but I'm not I'm not taking him there personally. Uh, CJ Crone is the next guy we'll get into a little bit. Solid year last year for him. 28 home runs, 92 driven in, and a 281 batting average. You get tons of guys down the board at first base who are productive. And he's not going off the board till pick 136. So um, in one of the first demo shows I did, I mentioned CJ Crone. And you can still go back and listen to those demos if you feel so inclined. CJ Crone was one of the guys I was looking to draft just because his low average draft pick is it's 136. It's it's I'm not gonna say afterthought, but people aren't considering him really in their first baseman. Like he's going off about the tenth about the tenth first baseman taken. He's not given that same kind of respect that other hitters are. And that's because he plays in Colorado. That's pretty much the only reason why. He had 28 home runs, 92 RBIs, and 281 average, which is fantastic. I, For fantasy purposes, it doesn't matter where he plays, why he's doing what he's doing. It just matters that he did what he did. And, you know, the last couple of years, he's been not bad, CJ Crone. And playing in Colorado, it, it's like you saw last year, like the, the fantasy value is there. 108th ranked player on the season. So, you dra- he slipped to 136 in uh, in drafts. I'm not really sure why, but I like him in that range for sure. Anybody with that kind of value who's going to be a borderline top 100 player that you're getting close to pick 140, I like it. I like him a lot in that range. Let's move on. Jared Walsh, uh, another guy with versatility uh, position, position-wise. He can play first base and the outfield. And now he had a breakout year last year, 29 homers, 98 driven in, and a 277 average. If you get a healthy Mike Trout back in that lineup, Otani doing what he did last year, and Walsh batting somewhere in the middle of them or right after them, uh, he should be able to repeat this 100 RBI, 30 home run uh, that he did last year. 70 runs is a little bit low, but the Angels were not a particularly good team. But maybe with Mike Trout back, you see that run... Uh, total go up a little bit depending on how they figure out the order I'm not sure where Mike Trout's going to be in that order probably three probably Walsh four if I had to guess so there will be opportunities for him he's going off the board pick 109 and he was the 93rd ranked player last year no problem with the ADP Uh, if anything maybe a touch high but it's it's pretty okay for someone who can play first base and in the outfield that's fairly valuable Let's move on to Reese Hoskins, who didn't have the greatest year last year. Let me just pull up Reese Hoskins. 27 homers, 71 driven in, and a 247 average. It's not what the Phillies were expecting last year, but the Phillies have gotten a lot better in the offseason, as we've talked about. And honestly, he's probably someone that's going to be a little bit slept on. He's going around pick 129. Despite him being the 236th ranked total player last year, he was higher on an average basis because there were some games missed. 108th average. But 136 is where he's going. Sorry, 129 is where he's going off the board. So at 129, uh, yeah, by the time you get to that range, a lot of the major value guys, not major value, major production guys are gone. 
in terms of your MVP candidate, all-star level guys. But Reese Hoskins can be a sneaky kind of all-star level player. Um, if he gets that home run total from 27 to like 35, thereabouts, I uh, guess the RBI total up. I, I could see him being an all-star. It's it's possible. Especially with Castellanos, Schorber, uh, Bryce Harper. They've got not one of the better lineups in baseball, but they're certainly like a top 10 top eight, top 10 lineup in baseball. So that RBI and run numbers, assuming he stays healthy, should definitely go up from where they were last year. It was a disappointing year last year for sure. But uh, I don't have too much doubt that he'll be able to raise them uh, this year. Playing with better teammates this year, I'm not too worried about drafting Reese in that range. Uh, I'm going to skip over Chris Bryant. We're going to talk about him with the third baseman because... He is not really a first baseman. I don't think it makes too much sense to talk about him with the first baseman. And let's talk about someone now who is also considered to be a first baseman, though he won't be playing there much this year. That's Max Muncy because of the acquisition of Freddie Freeman. Now, he is... Um, elite's not the right word, but he has elite potential fantasy-wise. Kind of came out of nowhere. I think Oakland let him go and he went to the Dodgers. or Maybe it was some kind of trade, and I'm sure Oakland regrets that. Although Oakland would have traded him anyway, so what's the difference? 36 home runs, 94 driven in. Only a 249 batting average, which is a little concerning. But I don't think you really need to worry. I said this, was it yesterday or the day before? Anybody with a starting job in the Dodgers lineup is must-roster going into the season. If there are people... Uh, if there are players on the Dodgers who are slipping in your drafts that are starters on the Dodgers, not just bench players, but if they're going to be in the lineup every single day and you've seen them slipping down your drafts, and Max Muncy's going after pick 100, that's fantastic. Especially if he can play first base and second base fantasy-wise. They're going to have him at second most of the time, I think. Uh, I think he I think he knows how to play uh, corner outfield. I could be wrong about that, but he does have some versatility. He will have the production, and his his ADP is not going to kill you at all at pick 107. I think it's a good pick there. I really I really think he's a good pick there. Let's talk about Yuli Gurriel, who's not going very high. 193. He was the 77th ranked player last year. Uh, a big part of that was due to his high batting average, 319 batting average. Only 15 home runs, but he's playing on a, on a great lineup in Houston there. He drove in 81 and he was driven in himself 83 times. He's going to be essentially a zero in that steals count in the steals column. He had one last year, but you're pretty much looking at a zero. Uh, I, I like him at that at that range. Yeah, if you're looking for a first baseman and you're heading around pick 200, absolutely. Guriel is he's going to be completely serviceable. Like his every year in his career, he's been this 300 hitter. Uh, 15 home run range kind of guy with more home run potential possibly. But this is probably about what he's going to give you. I mean, he was the batting champion in the American League last year, if I'm remembering correctly. So good value down the board at 193. No problem at all taking him there. Let's talk about Joey Votto. Joey Votto had a resurgence last year, thanks in part to that eight or nine game stretch where he homered every single game. And it was, it was almost a joke, right? You'd go and check uh, ESPN or whatever app you use for sports, and every single day, Votto would hit home runs. Now, a lot of people are, uh, are suggesting that you draft him this year, a lot of experts. And I don't have a problem with drafting him, really. Pick 127. He has that top 100 kind of potential. He's 
he's one of the better hitters of his generation for sure. So uh, there's not too much of a risk other than the fact that he's gotten older and his team around him is not going to be great. They've traded away Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. They have no more Nick Castellanos. It's going to be him and Jonathan India running the show offensively over there. I'm not uh, I'm not expecting a massive season from Joey, but I pick 127. He's not going to burn you there either. He's going to be probably, I don't know, he's, he's a hard one to predict exactly what you're going to get out of him because there are some bad seasons mixed in with the great ones. And as you get older now, um, 36 years old, I think, 35 years old, uh, you you have to start looking for signs of decline, especially on a team that's just not going to be competitive. The Reds are not going to be competitive. So is he going to play 160 games? No. Um, he's going to be probably the 140 range if he doesn't get hurt. And they're not going to they're not going to kill him. They're not, they're not going to have any reason to. It's just not. It's not in his best interest at this age, and it's not in the team's best interest. So he's not someone who's going to have that uh, value, regardless of what happens, like some of the other guys on this list. He will be someone you have to be careful with. Uh, Let's move on. Ryan Mountcastle, who was fantastic last year as a rookie. I mean, I think he'd played some games the year prior, but he was still uh, rookie eligible. And playing on a horrible, horrible, horrible Orioles team. He had 33 home runs, and he drove in 89. So there is that's, – that's valuable. That's really valuable. Pick 116. Now, who knows with the Orioles if Cedric Mullins is going to be good again, if Adley Rutschman gets over the setback in his rehab and he's up there early enough to start the year that they're not just, you know, 4-22 and 22 in, uh, in April and then the season is just done with. You figured that they might be a bit better than last year. Now they're playing in the hardest division in baseball, so they're not going to be good. But he should be good enough on a mediocre lineup to bring you uh, good enough value around pick 116. After pick 100, I'm not uh, so, so concerned in terms of taking risks because the risk is much reduced once you get out of that range and you already have a solid foundation built. So even if you're drafting a guy on a bad team like Mountcastle is, uh, what he did last year should be safe enough that you're okay taking him this year, especially in that 116-pick range. I think that's totally reasonable. Uh, let's talk Jay Cronenworth. He's not strictly a second or strictly a first baseman, but that's one of his uh, positions he's eligible for. He's eligible at first, second, and short. And he's going off the board pick 121. And yeah, I mean, they've just lost Fernando Tatis in that lineup, which will obviously hurt. But they should still be a pretty good team. I mean, they were supposed to be great last year and they weren't. So uh, it's hard to predict exactly what the Padres are going to be doing. But Cronenworth, based on the positional eligibility and where he's being drafted, that's a great, uh, great person to keep in mind as you head down your drafts. Pick 121. And he's someone who gives you a little bit of everything. Not much on the steel side, but a little bit of everything. So uh, another guy to keep an eye on is Cronenworth for sure. Um, are we going to touch on Schwarber? No, I'll leave Schwarber to the outfield show. Let's go Josh Bell, who is a little bit more of a first baseman. He's going off the board at pick 125. And it's fine. He's on, like I said uh, a couple days ago about the Nationals, not the team that they used to be with Turner and Zimmerman and Bryce Harper and 
the other players that have left over the years, major power bats that have left over the years, mainly, as well as uh, Max Scherzer last year in that trade. So the lineup is definitely not what it was. Juan Soto is kind of out there alone with Josh Bell, and there's a couple of other okay pieces, but um, I don't really... I wouldn't really be drafting Josh Bell at this range. I know I just said there's not much risk after pick 100, but there's still a lot more value on the board around this range. Uh, he drove in 88 last year. He hit 27 home runs. Good production. Uh, solid production. Again, um, I'm a little worried about him doing it again. And his batting average was 260, which is not bad. I like to have a solid batting average for my first baseman. And there are a lot of third, or excuse me, first baseman. There are a lot of first basemen who hit at a high average. So 260 is not crazy for me in terms of uh, production out of that spot. I like him fine there, but I'm not jumping up anywhere to get him in that range, if that makes sense. I'm probably going to let him fall. I just, he's not someone that I have any confidence in, Josh Bell. He's, he doesn't inspire when you're making that draft pick. You're not going to pick him and be like, yeah, we have Josh Bell. It's just, it's a boring pick, and I think he'll probably have boring production throughout the year. Uh, a couple more we'll touch on. Nate Lowe or Lau. I can't remember if it's Lau or Lowe. I can't remember now. He started off fantastic last year for Texas, and we'll see if he can kind of, um, I think he was actually sent down to the minors at one point because of, his production just fell off so much, but he started off fantastic and he ended off his numbers. Don't even look that bad. Really 18 homers, 72 driven in uh, eight steals, not bad production from first base. He's not going uh, particularly high pick 246. Not much of a risk there. If you're late in your draft, you need first baseman. Uh, someone to keep an eye on, as I've said about a couple of names, he's someone uh, like a, I'm not going to be jumping up to grab him, especially in that draft pick range. You don't need to jump in that range at all, really. But pick 246 is no risk, like almost zero risk associated with a pick in that range. So I'm not worried, really. Um, I'm not terribly excited about him, but I'm not worried. Let's talk about Luke Voigt, who now that he has a new home, might be um, inspired a little bit. I mean, the power, he definitely has the power. If he can stay healthy and if he can bat in the middle of that lineup somewhere and then Tatis comes back, a lot of things have to go right for Luke Voigt. But during the pandemic-shortened 60-game season a couple of years ago, Luke Voigt led the American League in home runs, and he hit, I think, 22 of them in 60 games. So the power potential is definitely there. And he's going off the board, pick 236. No one is expecting anything from Voigt this year. I'm not expecting much out of him, but I mean, at pick 236, you're not really risking much, and you might be getting yourself an everyday first baseman who goes for 30 and 100. He might. That's distinctly possible. And and now he's in the National League, but it doesn't even matter anymore because he's got the uh, the DH everywhere. So he's not a, a terribly great fielder, and the Padres do have other options at first. So maybe he won't play every day, but that DH really, really helps him out there. I'm... I'm drafting Luke Voigt in that range, either to be a utility guy or to sit on your bench and see how he does, or if you've just screwed up and you have no first baseman at that point. I I really like him in that range. The more I the more I look at that, I really like that. I think that's 
I think there's a decent chance that Luke Voigt really turns it around this year in a different home. He seemed to be pretty happy to get away from New York, away from the Yankees. The Yankees, a uh, stressful team to play for, no question. So maybe he just needed to get away from, get away from the New York media, and that'll be what does it to, uh, to reset his value there because he he did lead the league in home runs a couple of years ago. Granted, in a short year. Show that kind of potential to lead the league in home runs during any stretch of time. It doesn't really matter how long it was. It shows the power is there. So uh, definitely like him. Definitely like him there. Let's talk about one more guy for today, and that's Brandon Belt. And he had himself actually a really solid year last year. Uh, other than the RBIs being kind of low, he had 29 home runs. He drove in only 59, but 274 batting average, playing on a good team. He was great last year, Brandon Belt. I rostered him at a couple different times last year. So he was picked up and dropped a little bit. But his value was in that 180 range. And now he's being drafted at 217. A big, powerful left-handed bat. I like I like him as a flyer in that range. Now, once you get to the point of being post-pick 200, you should hopefully have first base figured out. But... There are guys, like I've just mentioned three guys after pick 200, who are really strong value potential. Uh, I'm not, not so excited about Belt in, in comparison to uh, Voight and even possibly Nate Lau. But there's still good value there after pick 200. So you're not jumping crazy high at all. You can, you can worry about other positions where there's maybe a little bit more scarcity in terms of the value um, first baseman, there's value across the board. So it's really a position that you don't need to strategize for too, too much because there are so many options. Now, strategy strategizing is always important to some degree. You shouldn't go in there blind. You should know sort of what you want to do going into a draft. But if you do find yourself lost and you think you've screwed up, you need a little bit more power or whatever, there is... Tons of value down the line here at first base. And I didn't even mention Jesus Aguilar, Miguel Sano, who are both going in like the 300 pick range. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, Rowdy Tellez. Like there's so much value here after pick 200, 300 or so. That first baseman, I probably wouldn't, unless you're, you know, you're drafting a Vladdy or a, a Freddie Freeman. I wouldn't really prioritize worrying so much about about first base. There's a lot of value there, and I, you know there's going to be probably close to 30 ish guys, and there might even be more because of uh, multiple position eligibility. There could be as many as like forty valuable first basemen uh, in fantasy baseball this year. And I'm talking more about category leagues, but this also applies to points leagues. There could be forty guys. There could be 40 guys, roughly 40, that have good fantasy value at first base. And that's it's probably not the deepest position. It might be the deepest position. And you can you could argue maybe shortstop. Shortstop is certainly more top heavy. Uh it's close. It's close between if I'd say first or short. I mean, outfield, just because there's three separate positions there, probably have the most amount of talent but first base is loaded first base is loaded especially with these guys like Muncie who won't really be playing first but have the eligibility it just adds on to the value at that spot same with Jake Cronenworth he probably won't be playing first base but that is his um one of his positions that he has eligibility for 
so DJ LeMayu, another one. So there's a lot of guys that have uh, first base eligibility that won't be playing there. And that goes to uh, the depth of the position. That really adds to the depth of the position when you're drafting. Because there are 30, 40 first basemen who will be valuable. All right, guys. I think we're going to wrap it up about there for today. Uh, I'll just talk for a quick second. Now, next week, I had planned to just go right into a second base show. But I think we're going to start the week out with a mock draft. I think over the weekend, I'm really going to fine-tune my uh, my rankings. And we'll do a mock draft on Monday. Depending on how it goes, we may uh, carry it over into Tuesday. Um, a two-day mock draft is at most what I'm going to do. And I will get to uh, second base, shortstop, third, and the outfield, and the pitchers. But I think uh, over the weekend, I'll work on the mock drafts. We'll get those figured out where I'm ranking everybody exactly. And we'll hit you with um, 75 or so. I know I said 100 before, but probably I don't want to overextend myself here and not have enough time. So I'm probably going to go for about 70-ish picks spread out over two days. And I'll also mention some uh, some value plays Things like that, players to avoid. It's the same vein that we've been uh, going down these last this last week or so. Well, the last week since we debuted for sure, and also going back to the demos. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. We'll do the mock draft Monday, and then probably Tuesday we'll continue it, and then we will go and uh, cover off the rest of the positions that I have yet to cover. And that should lead us right up until uh, April 7th on opening day. And on opening day, there should be uh, be a show right ready in the morning for you on that day. Because we're going to have games as early as uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time. So they're going to be starting at 10 o'clock uh, out there for you West Coast guys. So we're going to have a show early for you that day. Uh, hopefully, you guys are getting excited about the baseball season. I'm really excited about it. It should be a fun year. I've joined uh, four leagues, five. Four leagues as of right now, and there's one other league that I might join. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this year, and I hope you guys are here for the ride. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show for this week and our debut week, and I really appreciate everybody who's tuned in. And I would also greatly appreciate it if you guys would go follow me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99, and then go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account where this show will be posted from, as well as other fantasy content throughout the season. And throughout the season on my personal account, the Joe Rico account, I plan on posting a breakdown, um, not of every game, but a, a nightly recap or a daily recap, depending on uh, if it's a weekend or not, of uh, player values, how the pitchers did, um, players to add, players to drop. I'm going to be trying to be giving you that, uh, how does Dan Vespers put it? That sweet equilibrium, I believe is how he puts it, between Twitter and the podcast. So hopefully you guys are following on Twitter and subscribing to the pod. And then between them, you have all the info that you need to stay up to date on your fantasy leagues this season. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. All the support has been fantastic, and I really appreciate all the help I've got from friends, family, people in the community, and everybody here at Sports Ethos who has gone and uh, reshared the program. So that's all very much appreciated. So if you're listening to this still, thank you very much for all the help you guys have given me in getting this off the ground. Guys, thank you once again for listening. 
Hope you have a fantastic Friday and a great weekend. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.